Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our associate and student pastor, Matt Willingham. Hey, real quick, I just got to know who I'm preaching to today. Anybody coming stressed out this morning? Come on, anybody coming stressed out? Who's going to be honest? You're stressed out. You're stressed out. You're stressed out. Come on, throw your hand up. You're stressed out. Come on, you're online. The rest of you are lying because we're all stressed out in life. Go ahead. You're standing. Get your Bible, Luke chapter 10. Let's just read our text today. Grab your worship guide. They're going to throw it on the screen for us. Luke chapter 10. This is a story of Jesus. He's hanging out of a house at a house, Mary and Martha great friends of his. Some of you may recognize these two characters as the sisters of a gentleman named Lazarus. He's the one who Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead after he had been dead for several days. So Luke chapter 10 verse 38, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Come on, you ever been mad at somebody because they're relaxing while you're busy? Come on, you ever been mad at somebody they enjoying life and you're not? Oh, we're going to have a good time today. Come on, let's pray. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy at work in our lives. God, thank you for, Lord, this word that you have for us today. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds today to what it is you have for us. God, that you would let us leave different than how we were when we walked in this place and how when we were when we clicked online to join. God, I pray that you would, Lord, speak to us this morning. God, let them not just hear my voice, but Holy Spirit, let us, let us hear you speaking today. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, everybody, said amen. 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 High five, somebody, you sit down. Just tell them, say, he can do it. Come on, just tell them, he can do it. I don't know what you need, but whatever you need, he can do it. He can do it. So good to see you this morning. Thank you, worship team. Man, they sounded good today. If you can't worship to that kind of music, I don't know what kind of music you're going to worship to. They sounded great today. Want to welcome all of you watching online. Welcome North Judson and Hebron and Wanata, MPH, Westfield. Come on, put your hands together. Make some noise. Come on, let them know you're here. Let them know you're awake at our other locations. So good to see you here today at Valpo, whether it's your first time or whether you've been coming for a while. I want to talk to you this morning. The title of my message is Clear the Clutter. Clear the Clutter. And uh, we're going to look at our text this morning, Luke chapter 10. We see two particular individuals, Mary and Martha, who are sisters. And oftentimes, particularly in our text today in Luke chapter 10, when people read the story that we're going to look at today, when they read that account, oftentimes people look at Mary and Martha, and it's often contrasted as though each of us must make a decision of who we want to be like. That we have a decision that, oh, you want to be, you know, you need to either, either be like Martha and you got to be a worker or you got to be like Mary and you got to be a worshiper. But I don't know about you, how many of you know there's a place for both, amen? Yeah. Like it's good to be a worker and it's also good to be a worshiper. It's not an either or scenario. It's one of these times in the text that I preached the whole message 
uh, about this, that it's both and. It can, it can be both. We could be both Martha and, and both Mary. And, um, but, but this is what I've come to understand. I was, I was telling our seventh grade basketball team, a, a coach at a school, and was hanging out, was doing some drills, and some of them were uncomfortable with what they were trying to accomplish, and it was a little bit harder for them. And this is what I told them, and maybe it's, I think it rings true for all of us, though. Um, growth and comfort rarely go together. Amen? Like, if you want to grow, you're probably not going to be comfortable, right? Whether it be basketball, whether it be life, whether it be spiritual things, whether it be your job, whether it be a business. If you're going to grow, you got to stretch yourself, right? Uh, and if you don't stretch yourself, if you don't, or if you want to be comfortable, you're not going to grow. They, they don't go hand in hand. Rarely do they mix. Growth and comfort are kind of at, at odds with each other. If I want to be comfortable, then I'm not going to grow. And if I want to grow, then I'm not going to be comfortable. Growth is painful. How many of you all agree with that? Growth is painful. The rest of you, you love growth, you're lying. You, it's, not, it's not fun to be uncomfortable. It's not fun to be able to, because it causes us to make decisions. It causes us to, you know, have to let go of some things sometimes, some attitudes, some habits, some thought processes. It makes us then not only let go of things, but also add things in our life. Maybe we need to add relationships. We need to add people. We need to add the word of God. We need to add church, those, those things in our, in our life. And, and oftentimes it's this... Um, it's this balance of life. It's this balance of learning to answer these two questions. What needs to stay and what needs to go? Or, or I'll say it like this. Who needs to stay and who needs to go? Um, I'll give you just a very everyday example. You know where I'm really terrible at this? It's my closet at home. It's terrible, y'all. Like my closet is so cluttered. I, I keep my, my middle son, Jeremiah, he would be on that show if they still had it. Hoarders, that's Jeremiah. That's my son. Keeps everything. True story, when we were younger, when he was younger, not when I was, well, we were all younger, but we were, we were hiking on a hike in, in Colorado, and he was complaining of how tired he was getting, and I looked down, and his pockets was weighed down with rocks. He was just collecting rocks as we're hiking. Now, we're in Breckenridge, Colorado, about 15,000 feet up in the atmosphere. I'm doing good just to breathe by walking and yet here's this young man, uh, he's hiking and he's walking and he's only like five or six years old. His little legs are tiny, we're climbing over stuff. And he's weighed down with rocks and I'm like, bro, if you just drop the rocks, your, your load would be a little bit lighter. But he refused to let go, to let go of the rocks because he wanted to take them home. And, and really he made his journey a lot more difficult because he was unwilling to let go of things that was weighing him down. That's a whole other sermon I could preach today, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. And, uh, but my closet is, is terrible, y'all. I mean, I mean, I keep everything. Like, I've got a box that has, I still have the email. Now, this is going to date me. I still have the email that my wife, now she's my wife, that, that she sent me when we were in college and basically told me, because this is how we started dating. She told me it's time that we start dating. She didn't ask me. She didn't say, should we start dating? I have the email to prove it. And she's like, I never sent that email. I'm like, you're lying. I got the, I printed it off and I have proof that it says, you're now my boyfriend, you have no other choice, is basically what it read. And uh, <laughs> I have that, I have that email. But, but, my, but, my, but my closet is just, I mean, there's clothes everywhere, and, and my wife tries to help me out, and, and she'll come home sometimes, and you know, there's laundry. Now listen, I have no, I have no uh, qualms about helping with housework. I can, I can run a vacuum like anybody's business. I can do dishes, I can do laundry. I do all of that stuff, but sometimes, 
you know, just life gets overwhelming and the laundry stacks up. And so she'll come home and she puts stuff in my closet, but she doesn't put it where I would put it. And she doesn't put it where I could find it because I know what she does. There's these shirts that I wear over and over and over again, and she gets tired of looking at them. So she hides them in my closet so I cannot find them. And I go home and I get frustrated. I'm like, you've got my closet in such disarray. I can't find anything. And she's like, the problem is not me. The problem is you. You got too much clutter in your closet. She goes, you got to learn how to get rid of some things. You need to let that old Alabama shirt that you've been wearing for five years, it's time to get rid of that. And I came home one day, she threw it away, and it broke my heart. But she does that, right, to help me clear out the clutter in my life. And, and this is what I've come to understand, that if I'm struggling to do this with a closet, how much harder is it to do it with life? Like, and, and I'll tell you, you know when my closet looks the nastiest is when I'm the busiest in life. It's because I, I'm, I've got so much going on. I've got so many things happening. I don't take time. Now watch. I don't take time to put it where it belongs so it just ends up going wherever it is. Now, now I'm talking about more than just a closet. You understand? That because I don't take time to discipline in my life to understand I must make decisions to place things that oftentimes uh, they just end up placing themselves. I'll say it like this. If you keep saying yes to everything, you're going to say no to some things. And most of the time, the things you say no to, if you don't do it in an intentional way, you say no to the wrong things because you're saying yes to everything else. Not intentionally, but unintentionally, it happens. Somebody said it like this when it comes to busyness. The problem that living life in the fast lane is that you get to the toll booth quicker. Come on, somebody say amen. Oh, you end up paying the price just in a lot faster way. Busyness is this problem that we all have. It's cancerous. It's, it prohibits this imbalanced life. And busyness, hear me this morning, often keeps us distracted from the most important things in life. Clear the clutter. I, I'll, I'll tell you a true story. It was this week that as I'm sermon prepping and I'm trying to write my message. Now listen. Yeah, I've said this before, and y'all know this. Like, I'm not as good as Pastor Phil. Like, Pastor Phil already knows what he's preaching about next week. It's Sunday, y'all. He's got a whole week to prepare. But get, what's your text next week? Do you already know your text? Yes, sir. What is it? Oh, I'll put you on the spot. Here we go. What is it? The question, when shall these things be? When is your coming? And when is he? The question, yeah, blah, 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 blah. He's already got it. <laughs> Whatever. Right? He's got his question. Matter of fact, he probably know what he's preaching in two weeks. Like there's sometimes, okay, yeah, I'm working on my message for three weeks from now. I'm like, why are you working on your message? I'm not that good, y'all. You know why? Not because I'm not disciplined, but because my life sometimes gets cluttered. It was Wednesday. I was working on my message Wednesday. I'm a big title guy. I got to have a good title. The staff knows this. Sometimes I'll have a title. My message like, that title stinks. Why did you title your message that? You got to have a good title. And so I'm working Wednesday night in the living room, and I'm working on my message on one document. I'm also working, I'm getting my master's degree right now. I don't know why, but I'm doing it, and I just need to make, you know, make myself a little bit better, learn some. So I'm working on my sermon on one document. I'm working on a master's degree paper that I'm working on on another document. At the same time, I'm answering emails, and I'm also getting text messages, and I'm trying to prepare my message, and I'm wondering why I'm getting uh, frustrated, and I'm asking my wife, what should we title this message? Like, y'all, now I'm, I know I'm I'm just, I'm helping anybody help. And my family, I'm like, Mason, what do you think? Jeremiah, just give me some titles. And, and Leslie, my wife's like, what if we just title it, Don't Be a Martha? And I'm like, well, that's so bad. Like, we don't want to just, like, put, make Martha look so terrible. And so finally, I shut my 
my laptop. I, I, I shut my phone off. I said, you know what? I haven't showered after we worked because we worked out. And I was like, I need to, let me just go hop in the shower. And I kid you not, it was three minutes of, of time in the shower, of silence, of nobody bothering me. It comes quickly. I said, clear the clutter. That's the title of the message. Because we can find ourselves being so vexed by life, so frustrated by things going on around us that we can find ourselves being so busy and it keeps us from being distracted from the important things in life. We, we see in our text this morning, let me get back to the text because I could tell I'm already talking about your life too much. So let me get back to the text. We look at Martha and Martha obviously has neglected some very important priorities. But let's not be so quick to judge her so harshly. Because go to verse 40. Can I talk to you this morning for a minute about the concerns that Martha has? Jesus shows up in verse 38. He's with his disciples. Jesus never travels alone. He's got his whole crew there with him. They show up in his house, right? Martha is there. Mary is there. They show up. They're guests. Did he announce he was coming? Maybe not. So they just pop in, want to say what's up, right? Want to begin to talk to people. And verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, a lot of times we get to the end of the story, we get to the end of the text, and we judge Martha too, Martha too harshly. But with the way I look at it, Martha is actually doing something commendable, and it must not be overlooked in, in this text. It, see, it would be easy, hear me this morning, it would be easy, and it would be a simple decision for me, my life would be easier if my life was cluttered by random stuff. But it's never just random stuff that pops up. Come on, say amen. It's never, like, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Uh, paying the bills, is that random? No, that's pretty important. Um, going to work and being there on time so you can keep a job, is that random? No, that's important. Uh, making time for your spouse, going on a date, making time for your spouse, if you need, don't go on a date, for having conversation, for having some sit-downs, is that random? It's not random. Somebody said yes, it is. No, it's not random. That's another message. Another message. It's not random. Making time for your family, going to your kids' games. That's, that's not random. What, what am I trying to say? Write it down in your notes. Distractions do not always have to be things that are detrimental. Let me say it to this side of the room. Maybe they'll get it. Distractions don't always have to be things that are detrimental to your life. Family, friends, finances, doing a job, going to church, reading the Bible, prayer, all of these things are important things. These are just, can sometimes be the things uh, that, that pull away and pull our attention and get our focus and all of that stuff. It doesn't have to be detrimental things. But I do know this, but distractions are dangerous. Go back to your text, verse 40. It says that she was distracted Underlined it in your notes, by all the preparations that had to be made. It, it, it was the mere fact. Now watch, she's got guests that showed up in her house. She should be taking care of her guests, yes? Like if somebody invites you over to their house and you walk in the door and they're just like, hey, you know where everything is, just do what you got to do. And they walk out of the room and don't, don't invite you in. Don't host you. Don't. You'd be like, that's a pretty rude person. I'm never going to that house again, right? 
Like, so it wasn't the mere fact that, that it was negative things that was happening. She, she had all of these preparations. Again, maybe they just popped in, so she's like, oh, man, I haven't even picked up yet. I got to go dust the blinds. You know them people that are so important, you'll even dust the blinds for them when they're coming over. Nobody dusts the blinds anymore, but you'll dust the blinds when they show up because you, you just start, like my wife, sometimes we start cleaning, and I'm like, nobody's going to look in that corner and inspect and see what we have there. Why are we so worried about these things? So this is Martha. She's so, she's so, uh, she's so worried about everything, and watch, it wasn't that what she was doing wasn't important at all. Hear me this morning. It was that what she was doing was not the most important thing at the moment. The Bible says that she's distressed. She's distracted. Martha was distracted from her relationship with the Lord. And listen, hear me this morning. When extreme busyness hits, one of the first things that goes is my personal time with God. Well, when the extreme busyness hits in my life, one of the first things that goes is Bible reading in the morning. Time of worship, a time of prayer. So, some of you are doing good right now just sitting here for 30 to 40 minutes. I know our lives. You do good to just sit here for 30 to 40 minutes and not pick out your phone and check your email and check your text messages and check social media to see what everybody else is doing because our mind is just so distracted. We have so many things going on. And hear me this morning, it wasn't even bad stuff that Martha was worried about. Somebody had to cook. Somebody had to get the water. Somebody had to prepare the meal. And so here is Martha, and she has all of these concerns. What am I trying to say? Is her concerns were valid. Amen? Her concerns were valid. I mean, if anybody you want to host very well is Jesus and his disciples. I mean, if anybody you want to impress, right, I mean, it's the Son of God and his disciples. I mean, you got to roll out the red carpet. So she finds herself with these, weighed down by these concerns. But watch what happens. She let her concerns, though, then turn into, write it down in your notes, I want to talk to you about the complaint she made. Here is Martha, so distracted. Mary's just chilling at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus teach. Martha stomping back and forth to the kitchen. I can't believe Mary's all up in here. Listen to Jesus right now. I wish she would look at me one time. I dare you to make eye contact as I'm going back and forth to this kitchen. I'm sure she's slamming dishes around. I'm sure like stuff is going crazy. They're probably like, what is Martha doing in the kitchen? She's like, I wish somebody would say something. That's the creed that Martha lives by. I think it's my creed. I wish somebody would say something about Mary just sitting there. All of these concerns, and then watch. Then she comes to Jesus. Now watch this. She comes to Jesus, the Son of God. And she looks at him. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all of the work by myself? Tell her to get off her lazy behind and get up in this kitchen and help me cook some food for everybody. That's what she says. Okay, maybe I added a few words. But she said, tell her to help me. Because she's so overwhelmed. She's so distracted by things that are valid, by concerns that are real, by, by things that should be taken care of, but yet she finds herself so overwhelmed, so distracted that her emotions turn to anger. She's upset. Does she have a reason to be upset? I would say, yeah, maybe so. But what? She, she's so upset, she turns to Jesus and begins to, and watch, this is what happens. Instead of shifting her attention 
to what was important, she shatters the relationships around her. Hear me this morning. I'm going to help us. Instead of saying, oh, you know what? Mary's sitting down. So if Mary's sitting down, clearly, maybe this is not a big deal. Maybe I should just pause for a moment and just go sit down at the feet of Jesus and listen to what he's saying. No, no, no. That's not what she does. She now begins to blame everyone around her. And watch. Watch this what she does. Watch. She traded relationships for frustrations because she's frustrated. She's upset. Mary just, look at Mary, lazy, just sitting there at the feet of Jesus. Nobody's helping me. Nobody's even offered to lift a hand. And she becomes distracted because of all the things going on around her that not only is she now distracted from the presence of Jesus, she's now distracted from her relationship with her sister, Mary. Martha's hectic mindset caused her to be negative towards sister and, dare I say, even angry towards Christ. She was angry at Mary because she wasn't helping. She was angry at Jesus because Jesus wouldn't tell her to get up and help. And so she was so overwhelmed. And watch this. In her busyness, her concerns that are real, that are valid, but because it's made her distracted and now she's busy, she's become angry. Angry at her sister for not helping. Angry at Christ for not making her help. And isn't that oftentimes what happens in our life? We become so overwhelmed. Maybe it's not you, but I know for me. I'll tell you what, three weeks ago I went to the doctor. Go to the doctor because I have to check up on some things that's going on. And, and so I go to the doctor, not regularly, regularly, but I have to go do checkups. And, and the first thing they do when you go in the doctor's office is do what? Weigh you and then what? Blood pressure. Now, y'all, I know this is going to sound very, I, I know you think there's no way. I'm a pretty chill guy, I'll be honest with you. And, and for the most part, I stay pretty relaxed in life. And so for, I'm 42 years old. I, every time I go to the, to, to the doctor, right, they put the, they weigh you, right? I've, I've lost a few pounds, right? They're like, oh, Mr. Willingham, see you've lost a few pounds. I go, yeah, I'm trying, you know, to, to get down to this weight. And then they slap the blood pressure cuff on me. And it's always, I know 120 over 80 is like a perfect blood pressure. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect, but I'm perfect when it comes to my blood pressure, Okay. And I usually hit like 120 over 80, maybe 125. And so just a little bit here and there. And so, so that, that particular week, there was a lot of things going on for a couple of weeks that had been happening, just things happening. And it wasn't bad stuff. It was just stuff that was busy. And I remember driving to the doctor. I'm like, my head just feels like, I don't know why my head, I remember my chest. I'm like, my chest just feels weird. And I sit down and they slap the, the blood pressure cuff on me. And she's like, uh, Mr. Willingham? You a little stressed? And I started laughing. I'm like, ha, that's the, that's the last word. I Stress, no ma'am, that's, that's not even close to how I feel. And she said, uh, your blood pressure is 149 over 93. That is not good. I go, that sounds a little high, if I'm going to be honest with you. That sounds a little high. And she told me, she goes, this is what we call, she goes, you're living in what we like to call hypertension. She goes, that's not a good place to be. And she begins to talk to me about things. And now she's stressing me out because now I'm stressed about my stress that is making me have high blood pressure. And, and, and during that whole time, I can take you back. My wife will attest, my kids will attest, and even my coworkers will attest for about two or three weeks. I'm just walking around angry. Don't judge me because you've been there. Snapping on people for no reason. Things that are small becoming a big deal. Right, things that seem like they should be insignificant, becoming a big deal. I remember it was dinner at time. I walked in one day, and uh, my wife was hanging out, you know, relaxing on the couch. My kids are chilling. 
They relaxed on the couch, and, and I think it was a Saturday, and I would have loved to have been relaxed on the couch, but because of the busyness, because of things going on, not bad, but it was busy because of things going on, I come in the house, and I just start yelling. Why everybody sitting around? Just house dirty. Get up. Clean your room. Like, get up. I don't know what you need to do, and my wife just shut it down quick, y'all. My wife don't play. She goes, listen, I don't know what your problem is, but you ain't going to come in here messing up my atmosphere in my house. I'm like, okay, your house. I got you. I hear where you're coming from right now. I can hear you loud and clear. And you know why I was angry? The house wasn't a mess. Their bedrooms weren't even really that disgusting. You know why I was angry? Because they were doing what I wish I could be doing. Come on now. Come on. Oh, y'all going to be quiet sometimes. They, they, they were relaxing in a way that I wish I could have been relaxing. But because I was so busy, because of things going on in my life, not even bad, but because of so much stuff going on. And what I did, I began to resent them because they were living a life I wish I was living. Well, I wish my marriage looked like that. Well, it could be if you weren't so cluttered in life. Well, I wish I had time to be with my kids and do what they do. Well, I mean, it could be if your life wasn't so cluttered. And we get angry because they're enjoying what we wish we could enjoy, and the only reason we're not enjoying it is because we're just busy. We're cluttered. Our life is full. Not even bad stuff. It's concerns that are real, concerns that are valid, and I wonder how many friendships have gone by the wayside because of our busy schedule. How many relationships haven't been developed because my life is cluttered? Oh, I wish I could get in a small group, but I can't. No, you can your life is just cluttered right now. Oh, I wish I could serve more. but my life. No, you can serve, but your life is just cluttered. Oh, I wish I had more time to come to church. Oh, you can, but your life is just cluttered. And we wonder why we're vexed and why we're weighed down emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, and relationally. And in our ex exasperation of life, we walk around annoyed and we walk around angry because we're just cluttered. We take it out on those who aren't even doing anything. We take it out on those around us, right? And it's not that we don't care. It's just that we've become cluttered. So here's Martha. Oh, it's quiet in here. Is it this quiet at North Justin? Somebody say something, North Justin, please. We, we have Martha who is concerned. There's things in her life that are valid. But out of her, her concerns, because she's just so distracted, she now is complaining. She's not seeing the value of what Mary is doing. But look at Jesus. This is what I love about Jesus. This is what I love about the Holy Spirit. This is what he's wanting to do to us today. Look at verse 41, how he corrects Martha. Now watch what he says to her. Pay close attention. He says, Martha, Martha, called her name twice. You are worried and upset about what? What's that word? Come on, say it. You are worried and upset about what? Come on, Hebrew. You are worried and upset about what? But few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Martha, you're stressed out because you're worried about all this stuff. I mean, Jesus, the Son of God, y'all, you want to impress Jesus when he rolls up in your house. But Jesus says, Martha, you're so worried about all of this stuff happening. You're so worried about making everything right. You're so worried about all of these preparations. Martha now is complaining to Jesus about Mary, her failure to help with the meal and the preparation. Again, in fact, she seems to even be blaming Jesus. 
And watch, hear me this morning. The point of our text today, the point of this account, is not that a life of contemplation is better than a life of service. Because there's a place for contemplation, there's a place for worship, and there is a place for work. Amen? It's good to work. It's good to care. It's good to have, have things on your mind that you're like, i got to take care of these things. And that's not what, what Jesus reprimands and, and gently corrects Martha. Watch, this is what he's showing. He says, your preparations are too elaborate. Like, basically, Gen, the Gen Z would say it like this, you doing too much. That's what they would say. You're doing too much. Like, you just chill out. Like, your preparation has become so elaborate that, that you've become, you become distracted. And really, when you studied out that word distracted, it, it, the word in Greek, it really means that she'd become cumbered. She'd become weighed down. So not just a distraction as her attention, but she was literally emotionally, mentally, physically weighed down by everything. She was overwhelmed with what was going on. See, it's good to care. It's good to care about your kids, amen? It's good to care about your marriage. It's good to care about your finances. It's good to care about goals for your life and dreams, where you want to go to college, who you want to marry. It's good to care about all of those things. But to be overwhelmed, that's foolishness. To be vexed, to weigh down in your soul, that, that is foolishness. And excessive care or trouble about many things in this world is a common fault among the Western American church. Not, not that it, we don't want to not care, but we just have a problem with excessive caring. Can I talk to you like a parent? We'll drive our kids everywhere to be a part of the right team. We'll drive our kids everywhere to go to the right event, to go to the right house. But, oh, I'm too tired to drive them to church. Oh, we'll, we'll read every book and we'll read everything we can to make ourselves a better leader and a better businessman. And I'm all about that. But to take some time and read a book or do a Bible study and, and to work on my marriage, oh, I'm too busy for that. We, we find ourselves, it's not that we, that caring is bad, but it's just how much caring and what are we caring about. This is what Jesus was trying to show. Watch, I say it like this, right in your notes. It's, it, it's not on your screen. Martha, let the pressures of life outweigh the presence of Christ in her home. Martha had everything going on around her. Was it real? Absolutely. Was it bad? No way. But she had let the pressures going on around her, the things that she had to accomplish, outweigh the mere fact that the son of the living God, the savior of the world, was sitting right in her living room teaching people, and yet she walks right by frustrated, overwhelmed. What Jesus was trying to show her, he's trying to show her, Martha, if you, had just, if you had just kept things simple, you wouldn't be worrying and running around all over the place. I mean, think about it. It was just a few chapters earlier that the Bible says that Jesus just takes a few fish and a few loaves of bread, and he feeds the multitudes. He feeds thousands of people. Here is Martha running around in the kitchen trying to worry about bread when she's got the bread sitting right in the living room. And like if she had just sat down and maybe pulled Jesus over to the side, oh, hey, by the way, Jesus, what you've been saying is good, but I've been listening and I forgot to cook dinner for everybody. I can just imagine how the story would have been different. Jesus would be like, I already got you, girl. It's already in the kitchen. Just go grab it. I, I cooked it while I was in here. Come on. Like that's Jesus. That's what he could have done, right? Yeah. Had she 
really understood that who was sitting in her living room, and yet she finds herself so out, um, she finds herself so perplexed, she finds herself so distracted. She was busy, too busy pulling out all the stops for Christ, and she couldn't just stop and listen to his words. I don't know about you, but I find myself doing the same thing often. That all are the concerns real in life, absolutely. I'm not negating that at all today. But because I'm so out, I'm so weighed heavy of the concerns of the, of the things going on, I find myself then just getting distracted. And in my distractions, my, I begin complaining and I'm angry. And, 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 but the Holy Spirit comes and corrects me. And, and then watch this. So this is what he says. Now look at how he corrects her. He says, Mary, if you, or Martha, if you, you made it too elaborate, if you would have just kept it simple. You're worried about many things, and there's really only one. This is what Jesus said. You're worried about all of this stuff around, and you're forgetting who's here. And then he goes on to say, and look at the choice that he highlights. He says, Mary has chosen what is right. Is that what the text says? Mary has chosen what is what? Come on, look at Mary has chosen what is what? Better. He, he was saying, Martha, it's not that what you're doing is bad. Watch. What she's doing is better. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I can't imagine Mary, she's sitting down at his feet. I didn't say this in the first place service, but talk about a point of contention. If Mary's sitting at his feet, how awkward must have been if, if Martha comes and she's mad at Jesus and she's talking as if Mary's not there. Why don't you tell her to get up, Jesus, and come help in the kitchen? I'm sure Mary's like, I'm right here. Why don't you tell me? Why don't you, like, just say something, right? And, and, and Jesus looks at her. Come on, Pastor Lindsay. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary sits down. She's composed her mind and her spirit and her heart. She's resolved. I'm sure she sees Martha running around. And watch, he didn't say, again, look at your text, circle that word better. Jesus didn't say that Mary chose what was right. Did he? He said she chose what was better. Because in that moment, she was sitting still. Text tells us in the word of God, it says, be still and know that I am God. A lot of times I find myself, we find ourselves frustrated. We find ourselves weighed down with the busyness of life and the hustle of bustle, and we're just going here, and we're going there, and I'm taking my kids here, and I got to fit this in my calendar here. And we find ourselves, and and Mary was not there. Mary said, I'm just going to sit down. Mary chose not what was right, but what was better. It wasn't, again, hear me this morning, it wasn't that what Martha was doing didn't matter, but it was that it was not better. The Bible says, cast your cares on him because he cares for us. So we can find ourselves in our life. What is this story showing us? That Jesus was saying to her, "There's there's only one thing that is needed. You're worried about making all of these dishes. You're worried about getting the drinks ready. You're worried about cleaning your house. There's only one thing that's needed. The Son of God is here. The presence is here. 
And Mary chose not what was right, but she chose what was better. And it was listening to the word of God. It was listening to what he was saying. And hear me this morning. I wonder in our own life how often do we make our life full of everything except the one thing that really matters. We find ourselves overwhelmed. Maybe you came in this place this morning and you're stressed. And you're overwhelmed, not because everything that has happened to you this week is bad. Not because it's not even not important. I'm not saying that at all. But what's taking up your mind, the space in your mind, what's taking up the space in your heart, what's taking up the space mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, is it better? When you go to Exodus chapter 20, come on, Trey, bring me that hulu. I'm going to show you all my skills. No, I ain't going to show you my skills. Just bring me the Julio sermon illustration. Thank you. Appreciate you. Sermon illustration is brought to you by Heartland Kids today. I stole this from the kids' ministry. They got more. It's not the only one. When you go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, or Exodus chapter 20, you begin, God begins to lay out the Ten Commandments. Some of you might know it. First commandment is what? Tell it to me. What's the first commandment God gives his people? No other gods, no idols. One translation says, no idol before me. And a lot of times we've read that, right? Like, I've got that one lit. Of course. Now, we know why God gave the nation of Israel that commandment first. They're in a culture. They're in the Eastern religious world where there was a lot of fake idols, like literally physical images that they would worship. So God said, I don't want you worshiping the fake stuff you see. I want you worshiping the true living God. So you, you cannot have any other idols before me, no other God. And a lot of times we say, well, there's no way I would ever. I mean, as far as I know, nobody's going to walk out of this church today and go rub some Buddha belly at their house. Like there's none of us that are, right, worshiping idols. <laughs> nobody's worshiping idols at their house today, right? I, I would think so. But, but a lot of time, a lot of time, like this is how we read the text. Come here, Pastor Phil, help me. You can play God today. So, Come on. And come on, there you go. Oh, I make fun of your sermon. That was a good me- I can't wait for next week. It's gonna be a great message. We this is how we kind of see Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Well, like clearly, God's number one. Of course he is. And then my family, come here, Leslie. You can represent my family. And uh here, I'll help you. The first service, I'll, I left you out to dry. You got on looking all cute in them boots. Come on, girl. Get on up here on the stage. And then coming on up here. And then we say, so this is how we order our life. And this looks right, right? Like we got God. I got my family. And then come on, Trey. You can represent like my calendar. And and because, you know, we have a family and all three of my boys play sports. And so we're a lot of time, you know, and I, I got to get my calendar in order. And, and then come on, PJ. Come on, come help me. And then I got like my relationships, right? My friendships. Right, uh, come on, man. Oh, yeah, here, come on, let me help you. Yeah, go ahead, bro. Let me go. Then I got my, my friendships. And come here, Mason. Come here, Mason. Help me. Hurry, hurry. And then I got my finances, right? And I told the first service he bleeds me dry so he can represent my finances. And because this is what he does, and he, he works very hard. And, and so here, this is kind of how I get stressed out. It's probably right. I kind of even hear my finances stress me out sometimes. So I try to order, right? And we're like, I got it, right? There's no other God before before him. I'm doing Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, and, and we kind of position things in our life accordingly. But a lot of times we think it's not, it's more than just worshiping another false image. Because none of us, again, in this morning, in this place, probably does that. Nobody at 
Hebron or Wanatan, North Justin does that. But, but I would venture to say that we still need this commandment because we certainly do oftentimes put things in God's place. Because watch this, whatever holds a supreme position in your life, let me tell you, that's your God. Like if family is number one and is family important? You better say yes if you sit next to your spouse. Is family important? Yes. But that's not my God. Are our finances important? It's not my God. But see, this is what Exodus 23, it was kind of more of a visual, visual, visualization, there we go, of this. Come here, come here, Pastor. And really what God was trying to say is like what we have to do as Christ is saying to the nation of Israel, and he says to us, is we put God in a position where he only exists. And now watch, it's not saying that these other things don't exist, but it looks like this, just put a circle. You don't have to walk in a circle, but put a circle around, right? Just stand around, yeah, go ahead. This is kind of what our life should look like. We got God in the center, he's in the place. He's in the space. But what we do, this is what I do, is I'll take my family, Come on, I need you to hop in that circle. And I put my family right there. It's not bad. It's my family. And, and then, you know, I said, what were you again? What were you? You don't know. I told you. Calendar. <laughs> Lord Jesus, son, pay attention. Calendar. And, and I put my, my calendar there, right? And then, and then I, I take my finances. And, oh, those really stress me out. No, I need you. My finances go right here. And come on put my finances in there. Everybody, this is all important stuff. Is any of this bad? Yeah, God, don't go too far. You keep your foot in there. Don't stay there. And then my relationships, oh man, I got to make some time for them and, and they get in and God, don't go too far. Just keep your, keep your toes there. Keep your toes there. Let me know you're there. And watch. Because we begin to place everything in the same place where God is supposed to be without even trying it, he gets nudged out. Oh, but we want him there. Oh, no, 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 don't go too far, God. Just please, right? Don't go. We want him close enough. We want him close enough to center, but is he dead center? Do we have him in the, our life has become so cluttered. My life becomes so cluttered. My calendar becomes so cluttered. My, my schedule, my mindset, whatever it might be, becomes so cluttered that I begin to edge God out, and I didn't even mean to. I was just putting things in a place that don't belong. And what we don't realize is Matthew 6 and 33, come here, if I just go back and I let the Holy Spirit rearrange and I put God back in control, I missed what I saw the first time is that when everything is in the right spot, I think, oh man, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can manage it. It could be important when the right thing is in the middle, when the right important thing is in the middle. When God is there, watch, it's close enough where he can put his hands on it. It's close enough where he can still touch it. Matthew 6, 33, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the finances don't go away. The family doesn't go away. All the cares in my world, but he's able to put his hand on it and orchestrate it for my good. So where is it this morning? that you need to clear the clutter? Where, what is it in this, in your life this morning that you've, you've placed it in a position? It's not bad. 
It's not that it's not important, but is it the important thing? It's not that it's bad. It's bad, but is it better? I don't know about you, but there's nothing better than building my life on Christ, the solid rock. I stand. All other ground is sinking sand that when the winds and the waves of life begin to blow and they pound when I have my heavenly father with his hands over my family even though the waves of life comes when I have my heavenly father on my finances even though the winds of life come when I have my heavenly father over my goals my dream I don't know what it is for you but when his hand is on it oh how much more solid my life is thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.